We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. He is back in the building, and no better day for him to be back than today. So much on our plate. We have the Breonna Taylor decision that came out. We're going to talk about Kobe Covington's racist-ass remarks in MMA. We're going to recap that whole MMA card and preview UFC 253, which is this weekend. Also, we're going to talk boxing, a big weekend coming up in boxing. We have a pay-per-view headlined by the Charlos, which is $75, so it's a little heavy on the pockets, but we're going to tell you if it's worth it. Also, right now, we are joined by a guest member of the Reverse Rat Pack, our boy AJ Springer is in the building talking to us, and few are better to have on the show talking about why it's important for minorities to vote, this Breonna Taylor situation, just everything encompassing in our opening segment than he is. So AJ, shout out to you for joining us from DC right now. So we got the DC presence in the building. Man, pack show. First and foremost though, AJ, we'll get to you in a second. Old man, it is nice to have you back 
Why were you gone? Moving I, into I a just new house, you... man. I, got, I bought Move... a house. And, um, oh, all right. Yeah, the excitement of moving into a house with uh, movers, I didn't want to have the movers move all my valuables, so I grabbed my stuff myself and injured myself along the way. So <laughs> I put myself down for about a week and... Uh, between that, trying to unpack and got a, you know, my, my daughter turned four this week. Uh, so it's been a lot. It's been a lot. So I'm back. And yeah, it's not, this is not the greatest time to be back because this is not the shit I feel like talking about. That's all I wanted you to say before we dive into really deep conversation. I wanted you to admit that the old man is in fact old and threw his back out. It's no. the ultimate old man injury. No, Dick. Listen, I'm moving boxes, man. I, I could have been 22 years. I'm, I'm in better shape now than I was 15 years ago. So this, there's nothing. It had nothing to do with that. It's just moving up. Like, I got a three-story house. So, like, moving big boxes of, like, sneakers and shit and, and clothes and then not wanting the movers to touch my stuff. And I hurt myself. Shit happens. <laughs> it's it's the most on-brand Andreas Hill injury probably ever. <laughs> the I, I bought a house and didn't want the movers to touch my things, yeah, so I, I did it myself. Yeah, that's that's me. That's how I roll. So it yes. makes no sense in the hiring movers there, but that that's fair. Nah, man, the movers. Somebody's got to move the couches. Yeah, I'm not moving couches, but the movers they scratch. I got wood floors. They scratched my wood floors, so I had to you know I had to get an insurance claim for that. And at a certain point, I'm just like, look, don't touch my shit anymore. All right, I got a lot of glass. Just don't touch my shit. Just carry the big shit. All my little valuables, don't touch them. And then, yeah, <laughs> hurt myself. Like my TVs. I carried all my TVs myself. <laughs> uh, that, you can't touch my TVs. I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like an old man injury to me. I mean, listen, you might be in great shape, but the bones and the joints never lie. And that's why, you know, you're laid up for a week. Yeah, right, but that's enough. it is nice to have you back. And on social media today, I mean, shit, you hit the ground running. So I know people are really looking forward to this conversation. And we'll start with this. AJ, you are in D.C. You are in the hub. We are obviously in an election year. Before we dive into Breonna Taylor and all the intricacies of that decision, what is it like in D.C.? What is the atmosphere, which is now, I mean, just a polarizing presidential race? Uh, it's it's bad, honestly. Um, and I think no matter what the outcome of the election is, like, it can't be understated. Um, the things are very bad and the things can get worse. Uh, Trump was on TV earlier today saying that he will not... Uh, commit to a peaceful transfer of power so you know and this isn't necessarily about what your political leanings are even though full disclosure i work for a political party that is not the republicans or the democrats however um the thing that has kept this country kind of together uh by a thread for all this time is that we do have peaceful transfers of power that is all kind of threatening to be uh upended right now so yeah it's it's not good it can definitely get worse regardless of the outcome. Yeah, that shit's wild to think about. I remember, you know, at least Barack shook the man's hand. You know, we, it, it was an awkward situation at the inauguration and everything else. But, I mean, even to the core, when we knew shit was bad, it was cordial. To think it might go otherwise it is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it's, it's bad, and, and it can get worse. I cannot understate that enough. And uh, today, you know, we don't have to get into super political stuff, even though, you know, we're going to have, 
different votes coming up and Trump has a lot of power even if he is gone to change a lot of shit before he leaves um, but today we saw a glimpse of shit more of more of that bad as you say it can always get worse right and Breonna Taylor decision came out today it's been months of waiting as uh, Dre pointed out on social media and I'll let Dre talk about this in a second but just months of waiting and then we see different sports WNBA NBA um Osaka, uh, Naomi Osaka, I believe, um, wearing the mask. And we, we have all of these things in sports saying justice for Breonna Taylor, arrest the murders of Breonna Taylor. And it comes out today that none of them are really facing any repercussions for her death specifically. Now, someone is facing charges, but that's endangerment, which I'll let Dre explain. But it's kind of, I want to say it's a shock, but it's not. It's more the status quo and... Dre, when you heard the news, how did you immediately feel with what came down? What do I say all the time? You're ne- <laughs> never, never surprised. surprised. Always yeah. appalled. There you go. I'm, I'm going to read a quote. Now, I quoted, I posted it earlier. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Malcolm X said this was it, almost 60 years ago. Here we are. Brianna Taylor murdered in her home. She didn't have a firearm. Her boyfriend did. Cops went to the wrong house. No knock warrants, which are complete and utter bullshit, which means the process is the problem. Uh, shots rang out. She ends up eating about six bullets. And six. Is, and is dead, right? Today we find out one of the cops is being indicted on charges of basically reckless endangerment, right? And it's the cop who was standing on the outside that fired through the patio door and into the other apartment. And that's what he's being charged for. Nobody's being charged for killing Breonna Taylor. The, and this is what I, when I posted that quote, I meant it because if you fire all these shots and you're worried about endangering the lives of the living and nobody gave a shit about the woman that just died who was completely innocent, this quote should not hold true 60 years later. It's ridiculous. But like I said, I'm never surprised. I'm always appalled. So I don't think anybody was really surprised by this decision. And if you are, you haven't been following this country long enough. So I feel like it's, it's uh, what are we, was it Wednesday night? Yeah. And when that sun goes down, completely down in Louisville, it's going to be a hellhole. And people are going to say, oh, here they go rioting again. No, man. This is not what this is about. We're tired. It's exhausting. Like, I'm emotionally drained by this. But I'm not surprised. But something's got to give. And, and this is why when people say to defund the police, even though that's a lofty proposition, because in order to defund them, you have to completely tear it down. And in the interim, you may not have cops. And criminals will be, real criminals will be salivating over that day. However, the system as we see it now does not work. This entire problem, like a lot of people are looking at the cops like, well, it's the cops. No, it was the no-knock warrant that started this shit. It was the recon that got him to the wrong apartment to begin with that started this shit. It's the fact that there's a no-knock warrant that exists that started this shit. It's the fact that they shot into a house for a drug charge. This is drugs, man. It's a nonviolent offense. Yep. That's a yep. problem. The whole process is fucked up. And somebody's got to fix it. And it's exhausting because I feel like every three months, we're heavy in this topic. COVID started in March. And I feel like since that point, I have done a ton of shows talking about this very thing over and over and over again. 
And it only pisses me off because I have the same fucking idiots in my mentions saying, well, if you guys didn't do any crimes, nobody gets shot. How many times do people got to die? Like this woman, there is no way you can go out there and say that this woman did anything wrong to die. Nothing. Nope. At, at most, people can say that she was somewhat loosely tied to someone who dealt drugs. I mean, the cops are loosely tied. Uh, the cops are implicitly tied to people who, did, who sell drugs. But the bigger issue is this, there's a cover up here. And it's obvious because even if you look at the landscape of the situation, where, where you have to send all these cops in plain clothes, which is another problem, Sean Bell. You send all these cops in plain clothes to an apartment in the middle of the night and you have them knock on the door with a no-knock warrant and they supposedly announced themselves, which only one witness was able to say that they announced themselves. But there was also allegedly pressure from the cops upstairs threatening another family. But where, how far did the cops get into this apartment? Because if Breonna Taylor was in her bedroom, how far did the cops get into this apartment before shots started ringing off? And when did they announce themselves? This smells of utter bullshit. The cops should never investigate the cops. Like, Kel, you're my friend, right? If Elena goes, your wife says, hey, Andreas, was, was, was Kel cheating on me? And I'm like, your best friend and shit. And I go, hmm, let me investigate. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, there's no way the cops should investigate the cops. Nothing good is ever going to come out of this. It should be an outside uh, committee of people that investigate these things. This, this whole thing stunk from March. Like, when did this happen? In March? Since COVID? March. March, yeah. Yo, this investigation was way too long. And it granted, there's people that's like, Benjamin Crump didn't do his job. No, y'all don't. Y'all got to start fucking reading. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. There's no way we can win these battles. There's no way you should be going into an election year and punching a ballot without knowing anything about the legal process. Ruth Bader Ginsburg just passed away. This people was like, "What did she do?" I'm like, "Yo, oh, right? Are you serious?" So this it's is a rough road out here. It really is. And AJ, I mean, one of your many jobs and responsibilities at your job is spreading this awareness, right? Like getting yeah. people to know exactly one why it's important to vote, what they're voting for, how these processes, uh, you know, kind of work around not just the president, but on all levels of government which is something you've opened you know, my eyes to a lot, just being you know, friends with you in the group chat and everything, knowing how politics works on the base level and how you really get change. Um, looking at how the Breonna Taylor you know, decision played out and so many of the different facets that, that went wrong, like, like Dre just mentioned, on the way to the cops even getting there. What stands out to you when you hear this decision and you know, pretty much hearing the cops get off what is the biggest misstep in this process to you? Oh man, a, a couple of things, and I, th I think there are some some like misconceptions that are that are about to fly. Uh, for starters, like I was like fully prepared to have no charges and to see all three of these officers walk. Um, so the fact that they charged one with like the most like ridiculous kind of bullshit charge was like it felt like an extra slap in the face, and almost like they should have just let everybody walk. Um, 
the second thing I think uh, I got to touch on the, the the defund thing. So like there there are definitely police abolitionists in our midst, but when people say you know defund the police, they're not necessarily talking about going in and stripping out these budgets to zero dollars tomorrow. Um, it's essentially that the that there there are things that the police handle now uh, that the police should not be handling that increase incidences of police violence. So when we're talking about uh, defund the police, we're talking about divesting. Uh, uh, from bloated police budgets and investing in like mental health services and affordable housing because uh, we all agree and police will tell you essentially that like they don't necessarily want to clear like homeless encampments and be responding to mental health calls so it's it's shrinking uh shrinking the role of the police department uh so that we have less incidences of police violence the third thing um i think is that there's definitely like a disconnect between what people in louisville are saying and like what the broader kind of social media outside world is saying there was a lot of talk about uh wanting to arrest the officers who murdered brianna taylor um and the list of demands coming out of black lives matter louisville was a lot broader than that and i have them in front of me so like their first demand uh that they came out with today was to immediately fire and revoke the pensions of the officers that murdered brianna number two was divest from lmpd and invest in community building uh number three was the immediate resignation or impeachment of mayor greg fisher number four was that the metro council ends the use of force by the louisville Metro Police Department, uh, because police shootings are an act of gun violence. Uh, the number five demand was a local civilian community police accountability council that is independent from the mayor's office and LMPD uh, with investigation and discipline power. And number six was uh, the creation of policy to ensure transparent investigation processes. So like this is about Breonna Taylor, but this is also much bigger and it's it's about a, a system a, as well. And I don't think that anybody thought that, uh, you know, Breonna Taylor was necessarily going to get justice because justice for Breonna Taylor looks like her still being alive. Um, at this point, like justice in the system is like some massive like overhauls and, and, and massive changes for the, for the rest of us. Saying that one of the things and I don't personally agree with it, but it's something we have to talk about. And I would like both of your opinions on it. People say she received justice because she got one of the biggest settlements ever, or her family, excuse me, got one of the biggest settlements ever from the police department for her murder. Not that, you know, settling in a civil suit is any type of, you know, admission of guilt, but I believe it was $12 million that her family has received, which... Listen, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to tell you I'm probably worth more than 12 mil. So don't don't let my family only take 12 mil. But when you see this, people think that's a form of justice. Like, listen, you were paid out for the wrongdoing. Even if the cops aren't arrested, if they don't yeah. go to jail, they feel that the family has been given enough to justify what has happened. What do you say to people who think, you know what, there's a dollar amount that justifies the killing more so than the arrest of the officers. Absolutely not. Um, life is worth more than finances. If, like AJ had mentioned, uh, justice would be Breonna Taylor being alive. The settlement, you have to hit them in the pockets, right? That's what civil trials are for, is to hit the police in their pockets and hit people in their pockets. But in no way is that justice. Justice would see these cops, cops serve some time. Be, not just be indicted, but be charged. 
and uh, a ju- a jury finds them guilty, and even then it doesn't bring back Breonna Taylor. So this I mean, is, the, that, that's that's so minor. Like twelve million is a big it's a big number, but it's minor. Police are playing with the house money though too. Like this is this is taxpayer fund. Like this isn't police pension money. No, no, um, no. this isn't personal paycheck money. This is like Louisville taxpayer money. Yeah. So ultimately, at the end of the day, like. Who is it really? Be- who is it really hurting? The family's the one who's going to hurt. Yeah, twelve million dollars. Like, I would never trade my daughter for any financial amount. I-, I would dare you to tell me that there's a number on my daughter's life. So when when we do stuff like that, when we- when people come out of the mouth to say like, oh well, you know, the silver trial they got paid X amount of dollars, dude. I want my loved ones who still be here. Nothing can replace that. There's a civil trial they won, and they, yeah, that's damages. Cool, to a degree, but it's such a small degree. And anybody who continues to argue that's fucking ridiculous. I mean, if we're gonna keep it a hundred, like her, her family theoretically, um, at least the ones that live in the city, like contributed to that payout. Right. It's a, you're getting house money back. <laughs> I'm getting my tax money back, and then with interest. It's like insurance. <laughs> It's, it, yeah. it's stupid. At the, at the end of the day, it's really dumb for people to argue that point. But, I mean, that's what civil trials are for. To hit somebody in their pockets. Unfortunately, it's the taxpayers that are still going to get hit because they're publicly funded. But it's all stinks, man. It all stinks. It, it does. And when I see, you know, stuff like this and, yeah, they got $12 million. Again, like you guys both mentioned, it's taxpayer money. It comes down to, I remember when I was going to school for nursing and, you know, deciding if I want to be a nurse or a doctor, you know, going through the career field. I remember having to weigh like, yo, doctors pay a lot in malpractice insurance because they have people's lives in their hands daily. So their mistakes are costly. They have to have insurance on their decisions. And that always makes me wonder, like, why officers aren't held to the same standard. Why is there not a way that they have to pay into malpractice insurance constantly? Because they have the public's lives in their hands daily. To I me, mean, it's, the, it's the same concept. Dude, even in malpractice, like I was talking to my wife about this the other day. There was a case where this uh, a doctor left a sponge in a patient, right? And the sponge, and they sued for malpractice. And the legal jargon, you can only do this in America. The legal jargon basically said the process of it wasn't surgery, so it wasn't malpractice. Long story short. So they didn't have to pay. Like, we're the only country that's able to use, like, legal jargon to find ways out of paying shit. So when you even talk about malpractice, there are doctors who get away, get around that shit. But cops is completely different. I mean, this is a completely different universe we're dealing with. Police. Like, what were police constructed for to begin with? It wasn't necessarily to protect and serve. Yeah, it's specifically to protect and serve certain interests, I would say. It's not the greater good, right? Like, so if everyone's not feeling protected and served, then they're probably failing at their jobs. And that's where we are today. Um, on the broader scope, one thing I wanted to touch on since we have AJ here is the importance, because I hear this all the time, and I see this shit mostly on Facebook by black people, and it's something I was like, yo, it'd be great to really talk about on the show, and that is the importance of voting locally, right? So for the people who have an impact in your area, for people 
who actually can make a difference in your community, I see a lot of people, one, they don't understand why it's important to vote for, you know, the president, let alone other people right now. I see a lot of people who are just saying a vote doesn't matter. But locally, how much does that matter, AJ, all the way on up? Why is it important specifically, too, for minorities to vote? Because I just see a lot of black people just not trusting the system as a whole. Oh, before, uh, AJ, before you answer, uh, yeah. I want you to also add, talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg just, just briefly because people need to understand even that part, Supreme Court justices. They don't even get that. Whew. Oh, man, where to start? Uh, yeah, voting locally is super important um, for a number of reasons. I will say this and then kind of elaborate later. Like, voting is important, um, but voting alone is not always sufficient. So I think one of the things that that we have to look at, whether that is uh, people of color, black folks specifically, even like combat sports fans, um, we don't have to take any of this shit lying down essentially like there's you know politicians uh people that run for office are, are regular folks essentially especially at the very uh localist of of levels so if you uh are at home and you are frustrated with the way maybe your city council is running like you could run for council like there are organizations like mine shout out to the working families party they're like justice democrats there are organizations out there that will train uh and prepare people to run for office so if you don't like the candidates you know that are at your local level like you can run and and legit like you can you can win um, so when we talk about voting at the local level, we're talking about things like the way uh, your schools are funded. Uh, we're talking about if your roads are terrible, like that's your local government. If, if you turn up your car on the potholes, like there is an elected office for that. There are offices that handle evictions. There are offices that supervise the police. Um, these are all regular folks. The folks that used to sit on the school board back home were like retired teachers and like housewives and things like that. So like I can't underscore enough. Yes, it is important to vote, but like if you're sitting if you're one of those folks that sits at home and says this is bullshit and I can do better, like you should definitely run. Um and getting involved in the the mechanisms and the processes of, of government will give you an entirely uh, new perspective on the process. The other thing, when people talk about uh, voting doesn't change and, and voting doesn't change anything and my vote doesn't matter, like it is important to remind folks uh, in the presidential election last year, 90 million people did not vote. There were more people that didn't vote than did vote um and that voter percentage and voter participation is even worse the further down the ballot that you go um so that city council person that has been fucking your community forever is probably only getting in there with maybe 30 percent of the population so like if everybody came out and voted or even if 10 or 20 percent more people came out and voted a lot of this stuff would change overnight um and now moving on to the supreme court uh ruth bader ginsburg incredibly important and significant death for the simple fact um that these supreme court justice positions won their lifetime appointments um so this next person on there they're talking about putting a woman on the court that's in her 40s uh rbg was i believe 87 so we're talking about somebody we might have in office or at on the bench for another 35 uh to 40 plus years 
Also important to note that, yes, there are decisions that the court has gotten right in terms of advancing rights for marginalized populations. We got Brown versus Board of Education. We had Loving versus Virginia. Um, we had the ruling that, that made same-sex marriage legal across the land. But we also had uh, Citizens United, which basically said corporations are people and they can kick in as much to our political process as you want. We had uh, the Dred Scott decision, which essentially said, you know, there are no rights uh, that a black man has that a white man is obligated to respect. Literally, in the opinion, that's what it said, direct quote. So the court has gotten it wrong uh, a lot. Um, so who sits on, on that high court and who sits on those lower courts matters a lot. Um, and again, like the people that you elect, uh, appoint those judges. So, like, this is why voting matters from the top of the ticket down to, you know, county dog catcher on up to the president. County dog catcher. I like it. Um, no, but you, you see in these cases where people are just now learning the names of the sheriffs in charge of these police departments, right? You, you now have the names of these defense attorneys or prosecutors, and now everyone thinks this shit like they're you know just experts on this because they watch like the wire season one and two but you you get this swell of people like okay i now know the name of this person i now know and people are calling for this person to get fired that person to get fired without really knowing what they do well so that, well the thing the thing is too like the sheriff the sheriff is accountable to us like the sheriff uh in i believe probably all jurisdictions the sheriff is an elected position uh the da is an elected position the attorney general who did not uh charge the officers in brianna taylor's case that is an elected position all these folks can theoretically be replaced they can be fired yep and it comes down to that is you know one of the biggest importance and being educated first and foremost like we google everything right like we google yep. the stat sheet from last night's game we know that LeBron has like seven buzzer beaters in his career under five seconds left in the game. We can take a second out to Google the importance of what does this person do in our community? Or what is this person's platform? You know, maybe not all the time, but if we're all going out to vote or if you're mailing in your vote, take a quick look at, okay, this is what these people do and this is how it affects my daily life. Dre, knowing that, you know, your wife's in law school, you guys have these deep discussions and you guys talk, you know, a lot about how stuff affects the community. And every time these things come up, where does the change happen? Because I, I think a lot of people, let's just be real. There's a lot of pain, right? Like there's a lot of hurt when these decisions come down. There's a lot of hopelessness because you mentioned it every what every two months we get a new one to talk about. Every other show since March, we've had something to talk about in terms of, you know, political, social, whatever comes out. We've constantly been talking about it. Where does the change come from? I mean, dude, <laughs> the change starts within yourself. And it sounds very cliche, right? But you have to spark somebody else to be inspired to do something. And we are in it like... My whole goal in my personal life was to give people opportunities, right, as a writer. It was like to put people on as writing. I wanted to shine the spotlight on music that I wanted to get heard. That's how I started this shit. 
Now apply that to your local government or government in general or the police department. Somebody has to inspire somebody to go in there and make a change. To be completely honest, most of us were dinosaurs. So the change starts with our kids. And in order to get our kids to do something, we have to inspire them and show them that there's another way. And especially being a minority in this country, we have always had a problem teaching our kids that the way out still is through a, a microphone or a, f a fucking sport when it's not. And we have to teach them that there's opportunities to make change. But it starts at such a small level. You know, each one teach one is a very simple concept, but we don't apply it enough. And people think, the, the funny thing is when people say, you, you know, your vote doesn't matter. Well, if it didn't matter so much, why are they doing so much to stop it? Absolutely. So, I mean, the, go ahead. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, honestly, like, politically speaking, like, Dre, you'd be on the relatively, like, young side of things. You know, like, there was, you know, there was a, a 44 or 43-year-old uh, principal that beat an incumbent that had been in office for 30 years uh, this year. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was 28 when she got elected to Congress. So this is about, we have to start seeing ourselves as the decision makers and, and not always the people who decisions are made for. That, and that's absolutely true. And the reason why I say we're dinosaurs is because most of us have lives and bills and shit. And our time is always focused on other things like making sure the lights are on. But kids have tons of energy. And they, if you place that energy somewhere, you can create a community. Like for a lot of us, especially myself, growing up, I didn't necessarily see a way out or I didn't see anybody look like me doing the things that I wanted to do so I had to make a way for myself so it was that much harder. But it's my job to make it easier for the people that are behind me. So when we look at the future and where this starts and where change starts, is like we have to spark the minds, even through this podcast, is maybe somebody goes, you know what, I want to be an attorney. I want to yep. be, you know, I want to be a judge. I want to make a difference. And here's how I can make a difference because somebody told me that I could do it. It's really that simple because I know for me, my counselor in high school told me I wasn't going to be shit. That's what my counselor told me. So maybe somebody has to be a counselor to tell these kids, you can be shit. <laughs> like you can be somebody. And again, it sounds so cliche, so cliche. But that's the bare minimum, and that's where this all starts. Because once you spark some interest into somebody, it makes them want to read. It makes them want to learn. It gets them inspired. Whatever it is, you have to inspire somebody to do something. But being mad like we often are and then allowing this energy to evaporate is a big problem. And we do it far too often. We Absolutely. get mad, and then we just move on to the next thing. Oh, what's the Kardashians doing? Like Kanye, fuck Kanye. There's so many other things that are more important in this world, but we're not really focusing on them. Nah, that brings me. Kanye West came out and said he's gonna run for president. I know there's like hundreds of people probably listening to this podcast. It's like, I could do that shit if Kanye can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'd argue a lot of people could do it better than Kanye. Absolutely. Um, so, which you, which is not to say people should run for president, but like run for something. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he's going for president, he, you could win something local. Um, yeah, you could be the city I mean, council person. Yeah, Chance the Rapper's voting for his ass. Like, we, we all got a shot. So, you, you look at that. Um, first and foremost, Dre, your counselor is really fucked up, by the way. Man. Your high school counselor. What an asshole. That, I mean, dude, you remember that post that I put, like, when did you meet racism? And did you see how many people said they met racism in, like, grade school through not a fellow peer, but through a teacher? or a principal or an educator made them feel like 
that their blackness was going to be a problem. That's a scary yeah. thing. We don't have enough black teachers. That's so yeah. shitty. I, I, it's weird not to like digress, but I experienced like the complete opposite. But they were just like, oh, like, you know, a lot of my teacher liked me and thought I was going to do great things. And, you know, I do. I come here every week and just spit out hot takes. So proving them right. But like, not like growing up, like it's weird, though, because in New York, like we had maybe three or four white kids in our whole school. So teachers definitely eyeballed like, oh, which is also problematic, probably like, oh, you're a good black kid and kind of strapped the rocket to my back. Yeah, I mean, so I, I only had accelerated classes and honors classes and shit like that. Like teachers identified early like, oh, you're the good black kid and put me on the path to be the good black kid. And I always wonder like, well, if any of the other kids were in my position, they probably do a little bit better off. They're my friends who are selling drugs on the block still, but. So, like, I want to be clear. The reason why I was told I wasn't going to be shit is because my entire duration of high school, I was always fighting with a teacher or somebody about black history, about education, and, like, being told that I could, like, in one of my classes, I used to sleep through the class all the time because it was easy. And my teacher was like, when I passed the test, my teacher told me you had to cheat. And I took grave offense to that. And I went at that teacher. And I was like, no, I could do, I was like, I went up on the board. I did the entire test in front of the class on the board. And she was like, how did you do that? I was like, I'm smart, stupid. And that's when I went to the counselor. The counselor was like, you can't be like this. You cannot combat people every time you think you're threatened. And I was like, my blackness is always threatened. And that's when she told me, well, you ain't going to be shit with that attitude. I was like, oh, okay. Was she black? Yes. That sounds like some real black shit to say. That's why I was, that's why I was wondering. <laughs> that's yeah. like, no, it really is like, you know, don't scare these white folk. It sounds like that tone. Yes. That's our condition. Sometimes it'd be our own folk. Oftentimes it'd be. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, whole whole different subject. Um, AJ, stick around with us. We're not going to break or anything, but I wanted to extend this first segment and keep you on because we have to start talking about MMA and everything. I feel like it's great to have all three of us talk about this. Um, Let me let me crack the claw real quick. One second. Get that claw going. But I want to start this by saying, uh, fuck Kobe Covington, first and foremost. In case anyone thought I stood anywhere else, fuck Kobe Covington. Before we all discuss this, I obviously work for ESPN. I work with the combat sports, uh, social media teams. You know, I'm heavy into the boxing count. That's kind of like, you know, my, my project and everything. But I also do stuff on the MMA side. And I'm part of that team. So a lot was made of the posting of Kobe Covington's post-fight and everything this week. And me being a part of that team, I even got like texts. Uh, I remember uh, Rob from BSO hit me up because he did like a full like little podcast segment on his show or whatever about this. And calling out ESPN because we posted like the clips of Kobe and you know the clips where he's talking about lebron or the clips where you know black lives matter is a marxist organization and all this shit and people took offense to espn and my platform my employer and and me indirectly posting these things um i wasn't because i had boxing to do that night so i wasn't directly involved but my input is involved with when these things are posted and not that I have to defend what is posted or anything, but anyone who took offense to that, I'm not apologizing for posting that because I'm not 
going to apologize for posting racist people saying racist shit. And that is my stance on the matter. When someone says something racist, it is not my job to sweep it under the rug or worry about if I'm going to offend someone by showing them that this man is racist. No, if they say something racist, I am going to post what they said because it was racist. I want people to see a racist in its natural habitat. I wanted to see Kobe Covington making an ass of himself and saying these things because without putting this in people's face and without it being a big deal, nothing will ever change. If I hit that shit at ESPN, it doesn't matter if it's on MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, all these little things. People can ignore that. That is niche. ESPN and my job there is to make sure these things are at a much larger platform. And yes, I will post a racist being a racist. Now we can talk about it. I'm going to play devil's advocate right quick. Here we go. When y'all posted, though, there is no condemning of Kobe Covington's actions. Therein is going to be the issue for a lot of people. Because, yes, you are posting it. But people are going to ask, well, where's the commentary that says this is wrong? That's the problem with MMA media in general. Yep. Yeah, it's always just posting the quotes. Yeah, you post quotes because think about it. ESPN is this massive platform that reaches this huge swath of sports fans. Not all of them watch MMA, but they do follow the ESPN account. So when they mm-hmm. see Kobe Covington, and especially college football-loving, right-wing conservative, they see this, and they, they, they are now a fan of Kobe Covington. They didn't even know he existed. They see them. Exactly. Yep. And they're like, oh, I'm going to watch this shit now. Because there's yep. nobody really in the MMA space that was out there condemning or challenging Kobe Covington on anything that he has done for the past two years. It's just been absolutely endorsed, supported, promoted, marketed, yep. and it's used as a tool to get him over. So when you do post it on ESPN, it gets all these reactions with nobody condemning him from any space. It looks like yeah, there, it's support. Yeah, yeah there's absolutely an say. argument against platforming folks which i could see which would carry a little more weight if kobe was on like the the first fight on the undercard um but you know the main event fighter uh, i can definitely see not sweeping i mean it it was on national television so you can't necessarily sweep that under the rug like it happened um and my defense of that which is completely true like i understand that my defense of that is, one, that's the biggest problem. So full disclosure, when I'm in meetings and we had meetings after this, is that we don't have enough black voices or, you know, just commentary, people in commentary positions in MMA or journalists in MMA to stand up and explain why it is wrong. Right. So that's first and foremost. That's a bigger problem. Two, I trusted that we would have that commentary explaining why it is wrong when I made it, or say when we make it, because I didn't make it, when we make it a big issue, I then trust someone is going to give us why it's a big issue. And then yesterday, it's the third topic on first take. And Max and Stephen A are talking about why Kobe Covington and his racing remarks are so bad. That is then, now I can post that, because originally I posted Kobe Covington's remarks. So I'm painting the full picture. Today, they asked every athlete, shout out to whoever that was um, at UFC Media Day, they asked every minority athlete how they felt about it. And we're going to post that. We wrote an article about it socially. We're posting that. So I can feel comfortable posting the response because I posted the initial problem. Can can we talk about why that's also like slightly 
um, problematic. Shout out to the story, like, and I think that that, that like amplifying the voices of, of minority and, and black athletes is is dope. Uh, how come like nobody's asking like these white athletes about that how they true. feel? I I asked that same question because the the title of it is Black UFC Athletes Feel Bad, and I was just wondering like, no white athletes felt bad about this, which I know isn't the truth. I, I just don't think they were asked. They weren't. So I that's a good question. I mean, it's Why not up to. It's, it, the, the thing is, it's not up to black people to fix this shit. Yep. Not at all. That's always going to be the issue. It's just like you can't. It's like you ask Israel Adesanya, and he says his piece, but he can't fix Kobe Covington unless he punches him in the mouth. That still ain't going to fix it. But well, if you black ask man his just peers, broke his jaw. like if you, but if you ask his peers or if you ask fellow white fighters, is this wrong? Because that's always going to be the issue, right? Civil rights were like you needed white people jewish people in the civil rights movement once you saw that other people were offended by this and not just black people other white people well, okay, there's something wrong with this because if, if it's just us they can tune us out in a heartbeat so yep. look the, the reality is there's not enough black people in mma media there's not enough black people that are going to ask these questions in fear of so many things. I mentioned it. We'll talk about the column that I wrote because they're, they're, they're fearful because Dana White just bans people on a fucking whim. Who's going to challenge him? Who's going to risk it? Is it that important to that white journalist? And I think the person that asked that question was Aaron Bronister from TSN. He's Canadian. Go oh, figure. Shout out to Aaron. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the car- shout out to my Canadian brethren. They've been super woke. Yeah. So, but the reality is, is that these instances like there's not enough people condemning him hopefully like this is so egregious that it's gotten to the point where somebody's got to say something i know i said my piece but it's like junkie uh mma fighting espn espn does a great job doing social commentary on every sport but mma you'd be surprised how many people don't know the true landscape of mma no i wouldn't i would not be surprised um this this specific incident has shown me and I'll be honest this is what I said was the number one problem and my personal problem is that yeah I made a dust up of what Mike Perry a couple months ago because uh, we did an article and they didn't call out the n-word like specifically in the headline and we didn't make a big enough deal we tried to just say he sucker punched an old man but that was burying the lead so I've done that but even that's not enough we haven't done enough to make these situations a big deal and pull back the cover of racism, sexism, and xenophobia in MMA, which are all core values of the UFC, if we're being honest. If you are pretty, you get pushed as a woman. If you are not, you do not. Sexism is rampant in MMA. It's all about selling the fight by any means That's necessary, like xenophobia, even your humanity. Yeah, like, Anderson Silva was largely considered the GOAT, what, 10 years ago. Chael Sonnen, who shouldn't hold his, his fucking wrist wraps, came out and made it a USA versus Brazil thing, and fans flipped on Anderson Silva in his prime and rooted for Chael. Xenophobia is in the core of this audience. Yeah, and so we're, not, we're, not, we're not made welcome to attend. That's that's at like, all. This is such this is such a, a crazy conversation to have because 
And you covered MMA. What was that? What was your first UFC event? Uh, UFC, uh, Frank Mir versus Brock Lesnar. Is that 87? Uh, it was 80 something. I think, no, I, I know, yeah, it was 81, I think. Okay. How many black uh, people? And then my first credential was, uh, UFC 84. How many black people, how many black media members were there? Uh, me, you, uh, it was a brother from the Las Vegas Sun, and, uh, Brian, who was at 13, I think, at the time. Okay. So it's pretty much the same people. So you replaced the guy with, at the Sun with Kel. And that's, I'm not there anymore. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yourself. Okay. We replaced yeah, you with yeah. Kel. And the, I don't know who else, because Brian's still around. Um, Cassandra. Um, Matthew Wells? Well, Matt's in Texas. Um, Matt's in Texas. Matt comes out right now and then. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Walker, who's in California. Um, yep. But it's really small, right? And, and the thing that's is, it. is that. That was 12 years ago. That's my point. It hasn't evolved. They've added two black people in 12 years. <laughs> it's it's crazy because it, it hasn't evolved, but it hasn't. But the, the sport has evolved in the sense where at one point there was a person of color holding every title. Every title was held by a person of color. But you know who's not telling those stories? People of color. So who gives yep. a shit? So here we are with uh, Tyron Woodley from Ferguson, Missouri, welterweight champion of the world. Uh, knocked out Robbie Lawler in a blink, defended the title, was supportive of the Ferguson protest, and nobody, Dana didn't give a shit because it's up to the promoter to promote the fighter, right? Kobe yep. Covington went to the White House as an interim fucking champion. That's, this is nuts. Like, it starts with the promoter and... Dana's politics are not invisible. This is like Vince McMahon. Yes, we know he's a Republican, right? But Vince McMahon doesn't come out there and do that shit. It's all like very subliminal, like his thought process. Dana, his wife worked for the administration. Yeah, Linda McMahon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but that's in the background. But but I'm saying like it didn't permeate into the broadcast, right? No, not at all. Whereas Dana White just spoke at the Republican National Convention, which I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with because your political affiliation is really your business. But when you start talking about lawless uh, protests burning down cities, and I've never once heard Dana White condemn police brutality. The UFC is the, I, I want to be clear about this, they're the only organization that didn't release a statement on Black Lives Matter. NASCAR fucking released a statement. Are you kidding me? <laughs> NASCAR? NASCAR has what, Bubba Wallace? How many mm-hmm. black fighters are there in the UFC? A lot. More than that time. Like, there's more than one, like, but NASCAR released a statement. So, there's a, you have to create a welcoming environment. And it starts with, like, there's no pressure on Dana White to do anything. The media doesn't pressure him because as soon as they do, he kicks him out. Right? Yeah. And I've he always said this, media. like, I have a love-hate relationship with Dana because I love how passionate Dana is about fighting. And I, I love the idea that he likes to try to put the best fights together for the fans. But then it becomes for his fans. And then the, the people of color get neglected or the stories aren't told properly or they don't do anything to push these narratives of these black and brown fighters. We've already talked about Amanda Nunez, gay Brazilian woman fighter. They could have pushed her to the fucking moon, yet she was nowhere to be found in the Ronald Rousey promo. But Colby Covington, a guy who has not been a champion, got to visit the White House. Tyron Whitley didn't go get to visit Barack Obama. 
Tyron Woodley had to promote himself. So Tyron Woodley couldn't even get an ESPN feature. Dog. It's it's this shit is so crazy, but the the politics of the UFC is fucked up, and I hate I've covered this sport for long enough now where I sit back and go, man, is anything gonna ever change? You have to be a a, a sideshow as like a black fighter. You got to be like a circus act, man. Like Rampage got yep. the push, but like Rashad Evans didn't. John Jones barely gets barely gets pushed. One of the greatest fighters of all time, Demetrius Johnson. The list goes on and on. But what happens? You got to be fighters? scary. But but that's the other. You got to be scary. The scary black man. That's what people think sells. But the other part about that is, you mentioned John Jones, right? Who is not even arguably the greatest MMA fighter of all time, but he has a cocaine problem and he has some issues, right? You mentioned Daniel Cormier, who the, you, you could say the UFC, yeah, they push him to the moon, man. They give him a commentary job. You mentioned even Demetrius Johnson, who was the pound for pound. One got traded away overseas. Got traded away. But what was the the common theme with all those fighters? There were non-threatening black people. Yeah. They never talked about blackness. Ever. And I'm not necessarily critical, because that's not everybody's bag, right? Like, it's not everybody's bag to talk about blackness. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. But when you don't, do you see what happens? They still don't give a fuck about you. It's crazy. Yeah, like, you, you don't have to talk about it all the time. And I, I understand, like, so, you got to say something. Like, something? Anything? Like, you can't say... You know, I, I fear for the life of my child. Like, nothing. Like, even if you don't want to directly comment on a specific situation, you you have to, at a point, be able to talk about your reality. And I doubt that none of these men feel racism in their daily lives. I doubt it. And you can't be like, oh, well, listen, I got similarities to all three of them. Yes, we have children who don't have to grow up broke or poor like we did. My kids don't. Yes, we're all married to white women, all four of us. And I still got arrested three years ago. Entailed and then had to not do a show for a week and then got out of jail and did this show. And the cop followed me through two different jurisdictions. Until he got me into a place where he could pull me over. For no legit reason. Outside, I was a black man downtown Las Vegas at 12 o'clock. So I understand these things. There, There is no I'm, you know, I'm not black, I'm OJ situation. And it, it sucks that sometimes people don't speak up until it hits home. When much. you can speak up a lot sooner. I mean, you can't wait, right? Um, in the case, like, here's, here's just another example before we really dig into Kobe Covington. Who's the number one contender for the Bantamweight title? Bantamweight? Oh, um, Funkmaster. Yeah. How long did it take Dana White to commit to Aljamain Sterling getting a title shot? I don't think he has, has he? No. But he's number one, right? I, I don't, yeah, but I don't think that Dana's coming. I don't mean anything. <laughs> no, Dana, Dana still might replace him. Well, I wonder why. Meanwhile, we're back to talking about Colby Covington. Kobe Covington is getting like all the opportunities. Like he just got his jaw broken. He's one fight, and they're already talking about him getting another title opportunity. One fight. Yep. Against no disrespect. Guys who lost his last two or three. Lost the last fucking fourteen rounds. Gilbert Burns is the clear number one guy to fight Tyron Woodley. I mean, to fight uh, Kamaru Usman. Usman. Yep. 
And he, he just beat Tyron Woodley. Yet here we are talking about Kobe fucking Covington. Yeah. I got to see Kobe versus Leon first. first I mean, hey, that's another black fighter who's not getting a crack. Nobody's even talking about Leon Edwards. Nah, Leon. Leon's overseas and people are trying to, like, just forget about him. It, dude, um, it's just ridiculous how the UFC plays ball. And the fucked up part about this is, AJ, you know this. Kel, you know this. There are black people that work at the UFC in oh, marketing yeah. PR. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yep. they just don't wield the power. Like, Dana rules that place with an iron fist. It is really, truly oh. his decisions. Always has. Always will be. And it's because it's weird because we do know those people, right? And they try to give us the the leeway to have access to these fighters, minority fighters. And I, I've, I understand, like, writing for BSO, a lot of them are like, yo, do you want to interview this, you know, black fighter? We're trying to give them a platform. But if they're not getting pushed at the top, it's so hard to start from the bottom and make people care. Because if Dana doesn't care about them or push them, it's hard to then drive the narrative from the bottom and build them up. And it's it's so weird, so weird. Because we... In the UFC, we've seen, and bringing this back to Colby Covington, that patriotism can be a gimmick. All combat sports, if we're being honest. Like, the Great White Hope, all, patriotism can be a gimmick. That's why the fuck people idolize Rocky like he's a real fighter. Patriotism is a gimmick. Being pro-black is not allowed as a gimmick. You can be being Irish, racist though. is. Yeah, being... Pa- well, racism painted as patriotism is a is a gimmick. You can be pro America, pro white, but you can't be pro America and pro black. No, no, no. That's not our America. You can be Irish though. They'll push Connor to the moon. They'll bring Sinead O'Connor. They can make that shit all about his heritage. But they're not going to bring out someone for your black champion. Dana White a week ago said Israel Adesanya shouldn't dance. No, no, no. Don't show your, your cool blackness. How dare you? But if Trump wanted to walk Covington down the, to the ring, oh, yeah, we'll allow that shit. It's, it's a clear divide on what that company allows to be marketed. And they won't allow someone pro-black to be marketed. I don't no. even think I have footage of that, that Tyron Woodley... Um, press conference from last week where he answered everything is Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I don't think the UFC sent that to us. Why would they? Probably not. I, I mean, haven't seen the footage, like the clip. Like I, I couldn't clip it if I wanted to. I saw it once on social. Yeah, it's it's. Um, you know how many times I've asked a question at a press conference? Not even a press conference. The interviews. I hate asking questions at a press conference, and I've heard white people <laughs> sigh when I ask a black question. <sighs> Here he goes. All the time, I'm sure. Remember Deontay Wilder's Tyson Fury? The shit I had to deal with with that? Oh, yeah. For You're asking a question for a black room. fighter, a black fighter fighting on Black History Month, I got heat for that question in boxing. That's crazy. We're walking into press rooms and white people are pulling you aside. Yeah. Oh, why did you ask that question? What the fuck <laughs> do you mean, why did I ask that question? What month is it? It's Black History Month, right? Who's fighting? Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I can ask this question. It's not well. If combat sports is the weirdest sport, so we can talk about the column real quick because we got to talk about fights. We've been talking about like Brown and Taylor, a bunch of miserable shit. I'm sorry, people who are listening yeah. to this show, 
I'm sorry we've made you really miserable, but this is just the way it is. But the column, I'm sure you've all seen it by now. I was injured. I saw Kobe Covington making statements, and I got my ass up off the couch. I was like, yo, I need to write this column because nobody's saying anything. And for those of you who saw the fight, Kobe Covington mugged Tyron Woodley, which a lot of us kind of thought was going to happen. To be honest, I don't think any of us really win this fight. We all hoped it was a real hope fight. We were like, "Yo, yo Tyron, come on, man, you got to do this for us, dog." And then he let us down. Let the he hands got, go. Yeah, he just didn't let his hands go. He got mugged, and then he broke his rib. And then Covington called him a Marxist, communist. I, I'll bet money that Covington doesn't know what either of those are. The principles behind Marxism, I can guarantee it. He just heard it as a buzz term. Got a call from Donald Trump, and then he made this statement. And people gave me a lot of heat for pointing this out. He said, Tyron Woodley defends lifelong criminals. And I said, this motherfucker just called black people lifelong criminals. And they were like, no, no, no. He called Black Lives Matter. And I was like, wait a second. What the fuck do y'all think Black Lives Matter is? Do y'all think that everybody that goes out there and protests is part of a black, like an organization with a, like a CEO and a head of staff? Or is Black Lives Matter a phrase that has become an organization, but... Was Breonna Taylor a lifelong criminal? Because that's the life that Tyron Woodley was talking about defending. Freddie Gray. Like, you go down this list of names of black people that were killed. They were not Black Lives Matter. The reason why Black Lives Matter existed is because they died at the hands of police. So when I listened to Colby Covington say that, I was like, oh, this motherfucker just called black people lifelong criminals. Because there would be no need for Black Lives Matter if this police brutality issue wasn't a fucking epidemic. But people got mad. And I was like, yo, I'm going to write this column because this shit ain't fun. This shit ain't cool. This xenophobia, this race, like nobody wanted to call it racism. People wanted to call it promotion and marketing and a gimmick and a character. Look, eventually you become the gimmick. We've talked yep. about this a million times. I, like, I look at Ann Coulter. I look at Jason Whitlock, I look at Candace Owens, I even look at Donald Trump. And at a certain point, I don't even believe that they believe the shit that comes out of their mouth. They're pandering to a base. And Colby Covington, at this point now, is so far gone down that road that he has to hit those buzzwords because he's pandering to his base. There's no way he can retract and say, you know what, Black Lives Matter is cool. He can't do it. He's in too, be- in too deep. And now it's dangerous because now it doesn't matter if... He continues to say this and enough black people watch UFC and saw Kobe Covington walking down the streets of wherever the fuck he's from and he got fucked up. That's his fault. That's on him. I don't condemn violence, but I understand. <laughs> it, it, dude, it's a yeah. dangerous line to toe because you're using this as a gimmick, but you're saying things like he's defending lifelong criminals. They are terrorists. Really? Yep. And how many peaceful protests have you been to without any violence from any person of color or anybody who was in, uh, associated with those protests? Uh, vast majority. Hmm, okay. It got, it got a little spicy in D.C. over the summer, but hey, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not. Listen, I'm not one to condemn a, 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 a violent response in the face of violence. So, like, I'm, I'm not that dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, AJ, like when we when we were, because those of you who don't know, me and AJ have been friends for a very long time. And we were both part of the Las Vegas Local Organizing Committee of the National Hip Hop Political Convention, where we looked to impeach the sheriff after a black rapper got killed by a white cop in Vegas. And we had a show to raise awareness on your rights 
and to basically condemn this act. And it wasn't violent, but what happened to you, AJ? Uh, I was met. I was we protesting police violence got me met with police violence. Hmm. But you're a terrorist, right? Got my got my face slammed against the glass. Got cuffed and cited. I did beat that case though. <laughs> I'm just saying, but, but there lies the issue is they continue to call us terrorists, communists, Marxists, all this bullshit. I had Pat Militich, UFC Hall of Famer, and in my head I was like, hey man, I respect you as a fighter, don't make me disrespect you as a person, because it's coming. But I had him tell me, well, it, you know, uh, Covington was just defending, you know, he was condemning and calling out Marxism. Dog, no he's not. He doesn't even know what that is. He like this. Everything that Covington is doing started off as an act, because if you look in the history of it, I kind of mentioned in the article when he fought um, Dong Young Kim and he beat him in Singapore, he kind of got that pompous attitude. But he still said he respected the people of Singapore and Asia. Then he fought Damian Maya, and then he called the people of Brazil filthy animals, and he saw a got a rise out of people. And he was like, "How can I take this one step further? I'm gonna wear a yeah. MAGA hat." Because he took a very real situation that was very sensitive. With Trump becoming president. And then this whole police brutality thing was kind of like, oh, he just kind of picked that up along the way. Black Lives Matter? I can attack that too. No, man. This is not a game. This ain't a game. And he's playing. And it's dangerous. But to see so many MMA fans like get upset when I call this shit out. To see so many MMA fans that are attacking black people. Like when Angela Hill became the first African-American woman to headline a UFC event. The fact that we have to say a black person is the first at anything in 2020 is a fucking problem. But alas, here we are. And they interviewed her and I saw, if you look at the comments, they're like, who the fuck cares? She's nappy-headed. She got a bad attitude. What? Do y'all not see a problem with this country? And MMA in general? They are the problem with the country if we're being honest though like i when kobe said those comments beyond a gimmick if if he's talking like the people he's trying to portray there are plenty of people that are like that where being born black or just being black in general is criminal so yes black lives matter is criminal to them because being black is criminal to them being black is threatening to them on a level they are envious of being black there are certain things like you know that they just look at and say why why can you naturally do this and I cannot there is a fear of what happens if you know your worth or if we are equal if we are on an equal playing field we are not equal genetically at certain things and you would then rise above if we were equal because you've done so much without being equal there's a fear so when he says they are a terrorist group I think he believes it I don't because if everything was equal I don't think he if there it. were as many black people at the top as white people I, I, I really think he would feel threatened Problem. You would feel terrorized. It see, and a lot of people repeat the shit that they hear on like Fox and stuff too, with yeah. no sort of yeah. 
you know. That being no, said. No, he's an idiot playing uh, the gimmick. But if you play a racist uh, gimmick, you're as bad as the racist. Of course you are. That, that, that being said, though, like a lot of people are in... Uh, a lot of people are very fearful around us. A lot of white folks are very fearful around us in large groups because the truth of the matter is that like, if we were not some of the kindest folks in the world, like we'd have burned this shit down a long time ago. And in fact, <laughs> when white folks get mad... Listen, we got a whole revolution to get this country. Yeah, a country they stole. <laughs> you, you were fighting over something you stole. But like, it, it ain't no semantics. Ain't no, was it, it wasn't no peaceful protesting after 9-11. There was no, there was no stand down. There was, there was a war. No. A couple of them. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so we're supposed to be tolerant, right? Yep. We're supposed to be. Like, at oh, the man, highest level. You killed another one of ours. Oh, we'll just... We'll just sit here and be complacent with this, and you know, beg you to, to see us. Have you, you know, Kelly? You have, you have kids. I got a daughter. You ever not feed your daughter? You ever watch what happened? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, initially, it's yeah. like, Daddy, I'm hungry, right? Daddy, I'm hungry. Yeah. Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm hungry. And then if you just continue to ignore them, they start flipping shit over because they need attention. Yeah. We need attention in this country. That's why we flip cars over. That's why buildings burn. Because y'all ain't fucking listening to us. If you listen to us in the beginning, if you said, you know what? This is kind of fucked up. We got to tell you, you know, this is wrong. Like if, if, if people on the right, because that's, that's always been my issue with people on the right, like the super right wing conservatives, is they will toe the line no matter what. They will not back down. But if a few of them go, man, this is kind of fucked up. That change could happen. Then maybe we would be like, all right, cool, you're listening to us. But they don't listen to us. So Colby Covington is essentially energizing the quote-unquote silent majority, which is utter bullshit. But he's energizing this base that Trump has energized, that Ann Coulter and Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, and all these people have energized. And now they're excited. They got somebody to root for. But they don't realize how dangerous this shit is. I don't want to see Colby get hurt. In real life, but well, man, well, makes one of us. you can't you can't do that, man. You can't do it. Listen, I am all for people taking deserved ass whoopings, inside and outside of an octagon. No, I'm not talking about so, ass whooping. I'm talking about worse. Listen, what whatever may come to you may come to you. If if you aren't about nothing, it won't be nothing. And he run off at the mouth. Shit happens because a lot of people. Or studio gangsters. I forgot who said it. It might have been like uh, Greg who listens to our show. But he was like, he's MC Gusto. Yeah. yeah. MCB4. And shit can get real, real fast for playing the gimmick. Um, all right. So we're going to take a break. AJ, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, give us some last remarks. Anything you want to say before you get out of here. And let the people know where they can follow you as well. Yeah. Uh, last remarks. Um shit vote early if you can uh this election day get registered to vote if you're not vote up and down the ticket if you uh you know if you want to see some changes in your community that aren't happening consider voting or not consider voting uh consider running you know and 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 be the change that you want to see there are tons of organizations that'll help you uh run a viable campaign um outside of that y'all can find me on twitter at uh just ant a-n-t 84 just ant 84 on twitter 
Yeah, plenty of knowledge coming from AJ on Twitter and in real life, as you guys can hear on the show. We're going to take our first break crazy after this long and then when we come back we're going to break down the ufc card from this weekend and to talk a little boxing before we get out of here so you guys stay tuned we'll be right back all right everyone we'll get back to the show in a second but first even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help Indeed.com is number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools for you to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, we are back. And shout out to AJ Springer for joining the show um, our guy, Reverse Rat Pack member, so knowledgeable, so great to have him on. But now, Dre, it's time to dig into the nitty-gritty of combat sports, and we're going to recap the card that happened last weekend with Kobe Covington um, in Vegas. We're going to go through some of the main card fights, and then we'll preview the upcoming UFC 253 card that's happening from Fight Island. Quick turnaround for the UFC, two different locations. So to kick off... The first fight, I'm skipping this Kevin Holland fight. Um, Women's strawweight, Mackenzie Dern versus Randa Marcos. Dern wraps her ass up first round. I think Mackenzie Dern is starting to figure it out. And that's scary for this division. Yeah. Um, I think the most intriguing thing is what accent is she going to show up with? That's that's my (laughs) my favorite part. At this point, she's just full Brazilian. Yo. I'm just waiting for Mackenzie Dern to win, and then she waves in her translator, and then she starts speaking Brazilian in Portuguese, and the translator starts, and then like they're stuck and like, yo, I thought you spoke English. She's not anymore. Like she starts, like she's already started eliminating like transitional phrases from sentences. Yep, it's crazy. But to talk about the fight itself, I don't understand what Randa Marcos was doing <laughs> because Mackenzie Dern went for a kick and fell. Randa Marcos saw this world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu savage on the ground and was like, you know what? I'm going to go swim with the Sharks. What the <laughs> hell was wrong with Randa Marcos? That was the Some people think they're ever. safe in top control. Dude, no. There's certain people, like, you just don't go into the guard. And Mackenzie Dern doesn't have great striking. Her striking is a setup for a takedown. Randa yep. should just let her get to her feet. But as soon as Randa went to the Sharks' den, she got ate up, consumed. So, Quick. 
Mackenzie's, uh, I think she's ranked 14th or 15th in the Strawweight division. Strawweight? Yeah. Yeah, Strawweight. Um, she's got a ways to go, though. She's got a ways to go. But she may be figuring out. Seems like the weight issues are behind her. Um, now that she's had the baby and she's figured out her body, she's a threat. And if that striking improves, she's going to be trouble. And I think she's only, what, 26? Yeah, young. Mm. And she took the two years off, you know, with having a child. She matured. We always say, you know, MMA is not for 20-year-olds. It's not. Like, you're a special person if you are great in your 20s. You're John Jones. You're John Jones. You're, you know, I mean, Jose Aldo. You're Max Holloway. You're you're these guys because it's not built for you at all. You learn so much after that. So I feel like she's really getting into her prime as a mixed martial artist. Because still, if for any reason you hit the ground, your ass is grass. Yeah, you're done. Yep, not even seeing the bell. Your ass is grass. In the next fight, a fight that was must win, your boy, Johnny Walker, comes out and gets the knockout victory. This was needed. I, ever since he did the worm and fucked up his shoulder, he was not the same. No. So a step down in competition, not that, you know, Ryan Spann's a pushover or anything, but Johnny Walker was fighting killers at the top because that's where he was had worked himself up to. So now taking a step back and getting his wits about him, I saw a shade of the old school Johnny Walker. I mean, Spann was just ranked like two notches below him. So it's a good win. Uh, I'm just wondering what's next. This light heavyweight division is wide open right now. String together a couple of wins, might have a title opportunity. So yep. good for him. I love his personality. I think he's a pretty good fighter. He needs to slow down a little bit. I think he gets a little bit too excited. Um, he got buzzed against Span. And so he's in a situation where he can win a few fights in a row, but he just needs to kind of slow it down. But I like Johnny Walker. Yeah, I thought this was a good performance by him. The star of the night. Easily. Chima- uh, damn, how can I never pronounce this? Give me help on... I don't want to butcher Kamaev. his name. Kamaev. I always say yes. Chimaev. Yes, Kamaev. Um, man, one punch. And <laughs> <laughs> Gerald was talking so much shit. And Kamaev was just like, cool, whatever, whatever. And Gerald's so worried about the takedown. Kamaev went, starched his ass with one punch. And is still taking two significant strikes in three fights. In which I'm looking at Damian Maya and I'm like, run. Run as fast as you can. Dude, we all thought like he was just gonna wrestle everybody and use his grappling. He just threw one yep. punch. Yep. He and this dude, he's been drifting between two weight classes. This dangerous is dangerous at both. <laughs> yes. Both. Like people were like, yo, this is Khabib. But then he went and knocked somebody out with one punch. I was like, no, this is not Khabib, this is something else. Now different beast. I will say, like, we still need to pump our brakes just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think he, like, people are like, he's top five right now. Not yet. I need to see him beat somebody in the top ten. Uh, but but I think he'll do it. But I just yep. want to see him fight somebody in the top ten. I, I think he's two fights away from a title shot. In what division? Welter. Mm. What two fights? So I think Damian Myers obviously his next fight, right? I think he then 
gets either Leon or Wonder Boy at Welter. That doesn't get you a title fight. I think Leon does. Leon does, but you shouldn't do that to Leon. And not that Leon can't beat Kamaya, it's that Leon deserves to be in the title conversation now. Wonder Boy is like ranked out of the top 10. Yeah, you, you trust the UFC to give a black man a title shot when he deserves? I'm saying that <laughs> I don't trust UFC to do anything to give anybody something they deserve. But I'm saying that if I'm looking at this division, and I think Kamaya might be two fights, well, three fights away from a title fight, but a Wonder Boy fight ain't going to do it. He what about middleweight? At middleweight... Ugh. See, I we'll think see. the road is tougher at middleweight. Well, see, even at welterweight, because, think- like... All right, so you beat Damian Maia, right? Let's just say... Yep. You, okay. And then... That's a top it, ten guy. I, I guess my, like... it Because ha- I don't think Wonderboy gets you a title fight. It has to be Masvidal, Edwards, Burns, or Covington. It has to be one of those four to get you a title fight. Yeah, I don't... I, don't, I think Colby... They find a way to have Colby fight Jorge next. I mean, that's the fight to make. That's, yeah, that's the so, obvious fight to make. And There's I think no the winner gets a title make. shot. Yeah, so I think the winner gets a t- title shot there. Leon could fight Wonderboy. Leon called, got called out by Wonderboy. I think that's Leon's next fight. Leon, you know, the winner. That's why I said Wonderboy. Because if Wonderboy beats Leon, then he's propelled up, right? If Leon wins, then Leon stays kind of where he's at. And then Kamaev versus Leon or the winner of that fight would then be under Colby and Masvidal for the title shot. But by then, it probably works out where they are fighting Usman relatively around the same time. It's possible. It's possible. So he's two fights away in that division. And if he wants to stay busy, he'll go up and take on like the number six middleweight. So maybe three fights. If he takes on the number six middleweight, that's Darren Till. That's one hell of a matchup. It is. You know you know who he fights if he fights the number five middleweight? And middleweight? Who's above Joel Till? Romero. I think he works Romero. You think so? That's yep. it. Look. I Not not nobody, that anyone has worked Romero, right? Like let me has. let me be clear. But um no, that's not true. Didn't uh what's his face worked him? Who? Uh Boricina, right? No. That's the funny thing. When we talk about the main event, I want to talk about the, Well, we'll talk about it real quick right now. The highlight they keep showing of Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero, they're like, he's a savage. That, that exchange, Romero almost knocked his ass out like two seconds before. Yes, that. and Romero took all those punches with a smile and his tongue out of his mouth. That's not the <laughs> Yeah, I guess he didn't work him. But I mean, that, no. that was the only person to stand in front and throw him but that's with Romero. Saying. But that was think, a war. He didn't work. I don't think he works. Kamaya works Romero. Romero's a man of steel. I think if Kamaya comes out overconfident, he gets knocked the fuck out. Kamaya might stop Romero, though. Mm. And that's, that's a statement. Mm, if you stop that. Man, nobody stop, nobody's really hurt Romero. No, they stay him. away. They stay away. Just, the only person that has tried was... Um, oh, fuck. What's his face? I've completely... I'm drawing a blank. He beat Anderson Silva... He has a, Who, He just won his first fight. No, no, no. no the, um, Chris. Who Weidman? Chris Weidman. Weidman got obliterated by a, by a knee. Of course, I'm saying in the first two rounds, he tried. He stood toe to toe. He engaged and he was doing well. Then he got eaten by that knee in the third. Right, look, if I'm Kamaya, like I nobody wants to fight Romero. Nobody. 
I like that fight for him now that you mention it. I like I mean, that fight. Look, if, if Kamara I like that better there, in the till fight. Yeah, but I'm just saying, that's a dangerous fight. Yeah, that's, that's three fights away. You got to prove some shit before then. Yeah. That's not tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm scared for Kamaev. Three fights away? I mean, Romero's 58 years old. Shit. Who cares? <laughs> Sooner or later. Like, it's going to get dicey. Um, next fight, we have Cerrone versus Nico Price. A draw? Yeah, I guess. Good. I mean, I, I guess. Seen, i never seen somebody so excited about a draw in my life. Oh, Nico was hype. Nico's a weirdo. He's hype about everything. He just likes getting punched in the face. He's the Mojo Raleigh of MMA. Yeah, I'm here for it, though. <laughs> like, I like it. He has a nice little place. I'm not mad at him. So uh, that was entertaining. And then main event, Kobe Covington gets the stoppage of Woodley, mainly due to exhaustion and broken ribs in the fifth. Um, yeah, I talked about it on the show that I did solo last week. Kobe Covington dominated Woodley. I, I think this is it for Tyron Woodley. He can stay around, collect checks, but this is it with him being any type of player because he's just gun shy. He won't let it go. I don't know what happened. Like I try to, I'm trying to figure it out. Someone if took I, his soul, but I can't pinpoint where. Nobody, nobody took his soul. He lost. Like he just got wrestled by Usman. Like remember, because Woodley had the top. He still had it heading into this fight. The number one takedown defense in welterweight history. Yep. And, but he didn't get hurt by Usman. Gilbert Burns didn't really hurt him. Something happened with Tyron Woodley mentally. It's like a shooter not shooting a shot anymore. Yeah. It's like Steph Curry going from shooting eight threes a game to racking up 12 assists. It's not the same. So well, he went happened. defensive when he became champion. Yeah, but kind of. Those right? Wonder Boy fights, he wasn't... The, that would be my turning point. He caught Wonder Boy with a couple nice shots, but it was really still in doubt. He got the draw, and then that second fight was boring as hell because he was just defensive, and he never got offensive again. Yes, he did. Darren Till. Ooh, he caught Till with one. Yeah, and he choked him out. It's still that one bomb. Yeah, I'm just saying. The, like, the, the counter-punching was always... Like, Woodley would wait for you to make a mistake and then capitalize with the right hand. When, for whatever reason, with Usman, he couldn't let his hands go. And then with Burns, he never capitalized on an opportunity to counter. And in this fight, he had so many opportunities to counter Colby Covington. And he just didn't. I don't know what's wrong with him. It's time to hang them up. He's got to figure yeah. something out. And it sucks, man. Like, I like Tyron. I've mentioned Tyron a yep. lot on this show. But this ain't it, dog. You're going to get hurt. That's the next thing. You broke your rib, but you can't keep continue. like you're being gun shy against guys who aren't strikers. Yeah, can't do that, man. At all, because you get a guy like you know, just a, a young gun, and he's really gonna take your face off. Like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, that's tough. I don't. We talked about Kemaev and and people he could fight. Woodley's on that list. That ends poorly. Yeah, Danny would be a dick to make Tyron Woodley and Kamaya. I mean, Kamaya versus Woodley, hey, I wouldn't put it against him. Fought on the same night, it matches up. 
Um, and then we have UFC 253 pay-per-view card this weekend. The undercard doesn't really excite me. It shouldn't really excite anyone. Uh, one fight that's interesting, though, Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews. What year are we in? <laughs> like, this, Diego, this is an actual man. fight. Diego is like Tata. Like, he's he's like Memphis Bleak. Like, as long as he's, he's always going to get a fight. God damn. That's it. Cut him the check. He's going to get checks for life. Um, So, in the main card, a couple good fights. Duwadu is fighting. Should be cool. Um, Sajara Eubanks fighting in a tough fight. Skip most of these. Co-main and main is what this is about. Co-main, Dominic Reyes, Jan Blakovich. I think this is a really good fight. <sighs> Give me Dominic Reyes for the title. I mean, for me, it's no question. I like Blakovich. Don't get me wrong. And he's looked good. But he's knocked out Corey Anderson. So, uh... He beat Jacare, who's been by split decision, essentially a washed up Jacare. And he beat Luke Rockhold, whose chin has never recovered. Dominic Reyes pushed John Jones to the tilt. Yeah. G- give me Dominic Reyes. That's the future of the light heavyweight division. And that's the guy who should be yeah. in the title. And I mean, Tiago Santos, I think, will push him eventually. Yeah. But I think I hope Dominic, Santos. I think Reyes wins by stoppage. Ooh, by stoppage. Mm hmm. He's going to prove a point. Okay. I think, dude, I think Dominic Reyes is looking at this fight, and I think as long as he's not really thinking about John Jones and not, like, not getting that rematch, as long as he's thinking, like, I have to prove that I'm the class of this division and I have to obliterate the man in front of me, he'll be fine. Yeah. He has to he's think about it like DC thought about it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm not beating Jones for the title. It's my title. Yeah. That's exactly what he has to do. And Lajovic is a guy who's very, very beatable. No, I like that. And then main event, Adesanya versus Borechina, Paulo Costa. Adesanya's winning. Um, Costa has a puncher's chance, though. Don't get me wrong. I've seen no, Adesanya no, 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 get knocked out in kickboxing. No, but no, 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 no. Let me stop you right there. The one thing nobody's talked about with this fight is Borechina's ground game. His brother's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Congrats He's for his brother. And... He has been rolling with his brother for a long time. And he's huge. If he wants to win this fight, he needs to take it to the ground. Yeah, easier said to have it in your skill set than to ever have actually used it in the octagon. So to ask someone to pull something out they've never used in a combat situation, I mean, I've seen him stand there and just get punched in the face when probably... Lean on Romero, but no, nope, never one thing in his in his body said, let me take this to the ground. So I think it's going to be a war. I'll pick Adesanya by decision. Um, if it's a war, Adesanya is winning by knockout. Here's why. <laughs> Borchin, like, it's the same reason I picked Adesanya to beat Robert Whitaker. It's those guys who are sprawling brawl types are the people that Adesanya eats alive. Because they're yeah. not very complex with their striking. They're straightforward. They throw punches. And you look at Paulo Costa's physique. He's like, he's tight, right? So it's like when he comes in, he's throwing bolo punches. They're wide. They're not down the middle. <laughs> yeah. That's the shit That's the shit that Adesanya looks for. It's the easiest shit to counter. As long as Adesanya is not foolish to keep his head in the pocket, if he, if he keeps his head out of the pocket, pulls back, he's going to catch him with a counter right hand. 
It's going to happen. The only thing that he can't allow to happen is Costa to push him up on the fence. Then he's in trouble. Costa lands one of those right hands, then I, I decided he's in trouble. Like, Morichino is no fucking joke with that power, but I, I do think Adesanya outclasses him and turns this into a kickboxing match. And once you get fourth, fifth round, I think Costa gasses. Well, that's the other thing. When you're that buff, your muscles don't have oxygen, right? Yep. And, and, and Costa's already kind of committed mentally to the fact that if Adesanya runs, I'm going to chase him. But I don't think Adesanya's going to run. I think he's going to circle the octagon. But I think he's, his, his game plan is to still control the middle of that octagon and keep his back off the fence. If that's the case, and Costa can't figure out how to cut off the octagon, he's going to be exhausted. And by the third round, he's going to throw one of them lazy right hands, and he's either going to catch a head kick or a straight right hand down the middle. Book it. Now, the other thing that could happen is, this is the reason why I say, if Costa just does not come out winning punches because Adesanya is a counter-striker by nature, and he kind of wades in and punches to grapple and puts Adesanya on his back, he can win a decision. Yeah, because you got to get him down multiple times. Like, yeah, but so if he does that in the first round, I got to trust that he can do that again for two more rounds. Well, what it's I'm tough. saying is, Adesanya does not have great takedown defense. It's better than it was, right? But you, if Costa can control him on the ground, if he can find a way to get this fight on the ground, he has a much better chance of winning this fight than standing up. Yep. But I'm still picking Adesanya. I'm picking him by knockout, let's say third or fourth round. I don't think this goes to a decision. Unless we look at the Romero fight, but I don't think Costa's going to be that. I don't think he's going to be that patient. I think Costa has zero patience for this fight. He's gonna, yeah, he's the trash talking and shit might just yeah. have him amped up. But that's just how Borchina fights. If you watch him fight, he doesn't wait. He just comes after you. And Adesanya is expecting that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be and still champion Israel. I'm hoping for a good fight. I agree and still, but I'm, I'm hoping for a closer fight, a war, where you look at these guys are two of the best in that division. Because I think they are. They're two of the best in that division. I agree. So I, I'm looking forward to that fight. We're going to take another break before we get the hell out of here. We're going to talk boxing when we come back after this break. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. The wait for football is finally over, and the NFL is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, just that quick, we are back. It is the home stretch of the show. Thank you, guys. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been together and on air, so hopefully you guys are enjoying this long episode. Uh, the old man is in his bag. Shout out to AJ Springer for joining us earlier. We're first Rat Pack member as well, lending a ton of insight uh, to open the show. Now we're rounding it out with boxing, and Dre, this is going to go quick, but a couple of things to talk about. First thing I want to talk about, it looks like Devin Haney has a fight for November 7th on your network 
and I'm actually excited. It is him versus Gamboa, and I think Gamboa's more game than people give him credit for. That tank fight showed me a lot. Dude, there's so many people that are looking at this fight it's like, why is Gamboa getting another shot? And I, I kind of get it. But then I'm like, well, it still took Tank, what, 11 rounds to get rid of him? And he, on, and, on one leg. And on one leg. So I think if you're a handy and you look at this fight, because the rumor is, I can't confirm nor deny, Gary Russell Jr. was offered like one and a half million for the fight and he turned it down with a rematch clause. Yep. Now... I can name a million reasons why Russell would have turned the fight down. Because being a PVC fighter and being associated with Heyman, they are a benefit. But that's a good fight. But it didn't need to happen. This fight, on the other hand, is a fight that Devin Haney can use to say, Hey, Tank, I got rid of him faster than you did. That's yep. all this is. But Gambo is still incredibly dangerous. He's still a dangerous fighter. I agree. And that's, that's the smartest way to look at it. It's like, you know what? If... You guys won't fight me. I will fight the people that you fought and beat them in a better manner. Yeah. And then there's guys like, well, you have Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia coming up, and both of them would like a shot at Haney going forward. So this is better than sitting around and doing nothing. And it is a guy still with a name. Yeah. So I I think this is a, a good fight. People are acting like Tank beat the brakes off of him. No, he didn't. I mean, he hung around. That all the fight on one leg. Got to yep. get the man some I mean, credit. Terrence Crawford beat the brakes off. Yes, but Bud is an angry little man. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's someone who beat the brakes off him. Tank did not do that. Yeah. So that's a, you know, I, I think this is a good fight for Haney. Haney's still so young. It's a step up in competition. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. Ryan Garcia's probably taking a bigger step up by fighting Luke Campbell at this point. But they're all taking step up, steps up. Definitely. And it's like cool, like chill, like these these guys are young. So I, I like that fight. Um, other fight that you guys actually have this weekend: old man Chavez versus oh, the young bum Chavez, or excuse oh. me, and the young bum Chavez fighting on the same card. I'm gonna go out and say that I'm probably gonna be more entertained entertained by Julio Cesar Chavez than I am of Junior. I, I think mean, Junior could probably lose. Junior can lose this fight. This is a guy who was the last person to beat Canelo in the amateurs. Um, and I think everybody just wants to see Chavez go home. So we look at this fight. Look, man. Chavez, <laughs> might, fight, Chavez might look good. People fucking around. He's been hitting that bag. I, I'm all the funny here thing for is, old man Chavez. Chavez Sr. versus Jorge Arce. This is their third exhibition fight. In Mexico, is a big deal. Chavez is old as shit. Arce is 41. And people are like, oh, it's just an exhibition fight. But the reality is, is there really any such thing as an exhibition fight? Or the moment that you get hit in an exhibition, you go, this motherfucker's trying to hurt me. And then you start fighting. Chavez has told us uh, at The Zone that fighting in headgear, is, is it hurts more to get hit with headgear than without. Which I think is a psychopath statement. But it makes me think, this dude just wants to fight. So that fight might be wildly entertaining. I'm here for it. The other big fight, of course, is the Charlo brothers on pay-per-view. $74.99 for this Charlo brothers card. It's a tough ask, but damn, these fights are good. Look, look, look. No, this is not a tough ask. It's a terrible ask. The reason why the UFC works is because UFC gives you enough good free shows 
to make you say, oh, I can pay for this. This is a good fight. I'll pay for it. Boxing doesn't do that. Boxing is giving us the Charlo brothers who I'm not convinced are pay-per-view draws, right? These are very good fights on paper. All of them. Derevchenko, Rosario, the Brandon Figueroa fight, the Casemiro fight, Mario Barros is on the other card, and Luis Neri. And even Daniel Roman's on the card. 75 fucking dollars? Are you serious? $75 a lot. $75 the same night the UFC is having one of their biggest stars fight? Come on, man. 30 bucks? Yeah, I'll buy it. $75? No. No. This is going to do poorly. <laughs> True. But it comes down to you can make a little more money than putting it on network television. Yeah, I Maybe. mean, you got to pay the fighters, right? Like, that's the idea here. But if this thing bombs, which I... I, I does it do 100,000 buys? No. No. 70 would be a success. That's the optics make it sound bad, right? Like if you go, is a lot. Like, do bars even buy this? That's what I'm saying. Like, the bars are buying the UFC card. Yeah, like people aren't turning out for this necessarily at bars. So when the and numbers it's still come COVID. out, like let's just say the numbers come out, right? The numbers come mm-hmm. out. There is no figure under a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand buys that people are gonna go, man, that card did well. People are gonna laugh at this shit. No, if and then Dana White's gonna Dana White's gonna a, have a field day with this. Ooh, yeah, because he's I mean, he's about to blow this card out. But I like this card. This is a really good card. I'm watching them both. Obviously, it's my job. I'll be having I'll have them on multiple screens, and I really like this fight card from top to bottom. For the first time, I'll probably never say this again. For the first time, we have a boxing card from top to bottom that's better than the UFC card. Oh, easily. Easily, it's never happened. I mean, six title fights. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it's not even and just that, title fights. Like the name recognition on here, because it's not like Charlo is fighting a bum. Like Jamal is not defending his title against a bum. He's fighting Sergey Derevchenko, who puts Triple G to the limit. Yep. That's a that's a like to be real. Both Charlos can lose on Saturday. Both of them. It's true. This is a good ass card. I would say. Let's go through. So, um, Daniel Roman versus Payano for Super Bantamweight title. Or, no, excuse me, it's the non-title fight. No, it's the non-title. It's 12-round junior featherweight fight. Yeah. Um, 12 rounds. I don't know. I thought it was a title. Whatever. Uh, it might be fight at a night. It Give me Roman be. to win. Roman's never really in a bad fight. So, And that's yeah, as no, I say that, he'll be in a bad fight. But No, but they're going to be throwing him. Yeah. It's not going to be a bad fight. Like no, this, this, this is the guaranteed action. I'm picking Roman to win. I think it, it might be competitive early, but I think I'm picking Roman to win. Yeah, and then Brandon Figueroa versus Vasquez in the next fight. I'm picking Figuero, Figueroa. Figueroa's kid's good. He's gonna stop him. Yeah, yeah. This is. It might be as close you get to a showcase fight on this card. Yeah. Uh, and then Charlo versus uh, Derivachenko. <laughs> It's fucking tough. Charlo by decision, because they're not going to let him lose a decision. But this shit, prob- in my head, I already know I'm scoring this a draw. <laughs> if, if, like, I already know. This shit's going to be 6-6. Six, six. It's going to be a dogfight. Charlo's going to come out hot. Derevchenko's going to win those middle rounds. And then Charlo's going to steal, like, round 9, barely, and 11. And it's going to be 6-6. Six, six. Charlo better hope for a flash knockdown in rounds one through four 
to really break it up, but I, I have it as a draw in my mind. And he's going to win the cards 9-3. Okay, so here's the issue. I think Jamal Charles is smelling himself a little bit too much. Oh, shit. I think he's, he's going to come in this fight extremely confident. And if he comes in extremely confident, coming off of a victory against Dennis Hogan, who nobody gives a <laughs> shit about, who a lot of people thought beat Jaime Munguia, but that's another story in its entirety. If he comes out too confident, he's going to lose this fight. He may get hurt. I like Charlo, but I still think Charlo has a lot to prove. Okay, especially at 160. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, again, Dennis Hogan, Matt Korobov, J-Rock, Austin Trout, K-9 Bundridge. Yeah. Yeah, he's not like a world beater to me. Nah. I mean, the J-Rock fight is the best showing we've seen. That, that was the best showing we've seen. That was at 54. Yep. Sergey Zervchenko's going to be his toughest test. He's going to have to show me something. I'm going to pick Charlo to win because I think he's going to be smart and not fight like an idiot. But if his man, if he takes the foot off the gas for one second or if he just looks past Zervchenko just a little bit, he's going to get hurt. Yeah, it's just going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Um that's going to be close. Again, yeah, I'll give it to Charlo because I don't think they'll let him lose a decision. No way. I'm, I'm not picking any type of stoppage on his end, though. Sergey's too tough for that. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, and then we kind of reset again on the pay-per-view. Start a whole nother pay-per-view card. Casamayor versus Duke Micah, WBO championship. Casamayor um, winning this. But should be a nice little palate cleanser of exciting action. Yeah, I agree. You have same way. All right. Then um, Neri versus Almeida, vacant WBC title. Mm. Luis Neri. Really, this is kind of. No, Neri's going to hurt Almeida. I I agree. I'm just looking at this now. I don't. mm. Yeah, give me Neri. I'm definitely taking Neri. As long as he makes weight, he's good. So you think, I mean, this, the winner of this fight probably fights Brandon Figueroa next. Probably, yeah. Some type of unification fight. I mean, it only sets up easily for the two. So Neri Figueroa would be one hell of a fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, give me Neri. I don't think he's... There has to be some stoppages on this shit. I think Neri stops. Yeah, give, me, give me Neri by knockout. Somebody. Not all of these going to the judges. Give me well Figueroa, I think Bolt races Vasquez. So, all right. So we got Neri being now Meta in that one, and then the main event, main event. Well, you didn't Jamel mention Charlo. Mario Barros. Oh, I skipped over Barros. Yeah, that's another. That's going to be another stoppage. Yeah, yeah. I think Barros wins that fight. I was just Mario going. Barros, he didn't look. That's not on the pay per view though. No, that's free TV. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, Mario Barros. Yeah. Has a lot to prove. He's tall. He's rangy. Very big for a junior welterweight. Um, and he didn't look great in his last outing. I think he's going to stop Ryan Carl. But he's got to show people something. And I think he, he's aware that he's not on the pay-per-view, so he needs to get people to buy the shit. So he needs to obliterate somebody. Yeah, I think Barros. And to me, that's the most open division in boxing right now. Yeah. Is 140. So if you can really stand out there, you're in a good spot. 
So I think this is a good way for him to, you know, really dip his toes in the water and see, okay, let me put myself in line for a higher spot. And we've seen, you know, PBC and Top Rank do business. If Top Rank eventually has an undisputed champion, that does not move up. Um, Ramirez might bounce and vacate all belts. But it's very possible to, you know, be a fight two away from a shot at an undisputed championship. So uh, we'll see how that goes for him. Main event, Jermel Charlo versus Rosario, Jason Rosario in the main event unification fight. I'll take Jermel to win. This dude. <laughs> I don't think Jermel's overly impressive ever necessarily. No. And that Jason last was knockout like, was cool, but he was he was in a dog fight before yeah. landing that last knockout. Yo, so Jason Rosario just came off a fifth round stoppage with J Rock, right? And the only fight that yep. he lost was against Nathaniel Gallimore, and I remember because I was there it was at Samstown. And he knocked him out. Was that Samstown? Yeah, it was at Samstown. In Vegas. Oh, shit. And since then, I'm not entirely sure who is who in this fight. Because who is the hunter and who is the hunted? Rosario's a champ. Right? So it's like... He's the owner of two belts. Yeah. Yeah. But who's chasing who in this fight? That's going to be the, the difference maker. Like... Clearly, Charlo has more to lose. But Rosario can't come into this fight thinking he has to defend his titles. He has to come in thinking, I have to beat the hell out of uh, Jamel Charlo. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You can't let this get to the cards. No. Like, it, it has to be decisive. And I don't know what's going on with Jamel. Like, he, like, the Tony Harrison fights. He mm. thought he was losing both. Yeah, I don't know. That man. knock that knockout, the counter punch was beautiful. I thought Tony was winning that fight beforehand. I'm gonna pick Jamel. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna say both Charlos come out victorious. I think that Jamel has a very good opportunity to stop Rosario if he plays as smart. If he plays if he allows Rosario to be the hunter and let him come to him. Otherwise, it'll be a long night. So I'm gonna pick Charlo to win. I think it'll be hopefully it'll be a good fight. All right, so we're both sticking both Charlos to win. Um, I'm giving both Charlos by decision. There's some good money. I'm seeing the odds on this though. Some good money on these dogs though. Yeah, man. Rosario plus three hundred. I take it. Yeah, I, I mean, fuck around, parlay him and Derevichenko. Just throw a little hundo down. That might be a nice little come up. But uh, yeah, no, it's great. Great night of fights. It's going to be really good. This has been a long show. It's nice to have you back. I'm glad that, you know, your old man ailments are gone. You are in the new crib. You are comfy. It is nice to be back. And we're going to have a pro wrestling show come out this weekend as well. So we're right back on it. So it's great. Thank you guys for sticking with us as we had, you know, a crazy week and a half, two weeks of the show. But we're right back in action. Dre, crazy enough, though, you missed the 300th show. I know, man. That's crazy. So you missed 300, but we're back for 301. So it's okay. You were here for 100, 200. Be here for 400. So we thank you guys for being with us this long journey of 300 shows, five and a half years deep. We appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner podcast underscore on Twitter. 
on Instagram, Corner Club for Life. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire. Shout out to all of the sponsors that make this show possible as well. It's been fun. You guys stay safe. Don't lose your mind over this Breonna Taylor shit. Remember, we got to stay strong. Speak your mind. Don't lose it. Wishing everyone the best out there. Make sure you guys get out and vote for president and under. Make sure you guys are the change you want to see in your community. Until next time, though. We're out. Peace.